Welcome back to the Minicom Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast who wanted the host thinks the outside zone is where he's allowed to pee. That's Lenny. I'm Minicoms. I am joined. Got a little laugh. I don't know if you guys could hear it at home. A little laugh. A little laugh from my guest. <laughs> there you go. That's the laugh people know. That's Mike Gold Jr. Welcome back to the show, bud. I think outside zone would also apply to me as far as places where I pee. <laughs> um, it's been a, not... We did the team draft, so I guess it wasn't that long ago uh, since you were last on the show, right? That was the last time, though, if I remember. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure it feels like that. You're a a two-episode-a-week podcast now. Life's changed for you. Uh, You're like, you have two episodes a week, and it's been this long? Um, Guys, check out Mike's (laughs) podcast, Gojo, with Mike Gold Jr. It's excellent. Um, This week, by the way, I was also on The Right Time with Bomani Jones. If you're not a cross listener, go check that out. We talked a little football over there. Um, this week we have some games I'm pretty excited about, actually. Actually, I feel like a lot of the weeks there's been only one or two, but I think this week has some, there's no like, damn, that's the one, like Vikings Bills last week. I, you know, you could say Chiefs Chargers, but I think the, a little bit of shine's yeah. come off that one. Those flex. Yeah, no, yeah, too many, uh, I would say the right, the right move mercifully to flex that one and get the Steelers the hell away from primetime at this <laughs> point, but yeah, it's, uh, you're right, I- interesting, and we're at the point in the season now where so much of the injury attrition is starting to bleed into that, speaking of Chargers mm. and Chiefs. Titans-Packers tonight, Thursday night, is actually a pretty good Thursday night mm-hmm. game, she says, famous last words. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about the Chargers and the Chiefs, we are going to talk about that. I am actually really excited about the snow game in Buffalo, so we'll talk about that. But I wanted to start off by talking about a game that I think is fascinating and is has the potential to really tell us where the AFC East is headed, and that is, of course, the divisional matchup between the Jets and the Patriots. Because last time these teams played, the quarterbacking, Mike, it was not Oof. great. <laughs> it was not Oof. great. Uh, it, it was so the the narrative around the Jets narrative is just true is that they have a really good defense and the offense has been holding them back and this was the like exhibit A oh my God Jack Wilson was just throwing the craziest interceptions in this one. However, the vibes around the Jets at the moment are it all it takes is one game for the vibes to change uh, and uh, people are more optimistic after seeing Zach Wilson against the Bills. Um, really do like what everyone had been asking of him, which is basically just stay in the pocket and get the ball out quickly and um, not try to do too much in all caps. So I guess we let's start on that side of the ball. Um, do you have faith that he can repeat that formula against what has been an incredibly slept on Patriots defense this year? I was just going to say, these both feel like great defenses that have been held back by their offense for a large majority yeah, of the season. Totally. And it's cool because it's a styles make fight thing too, right? When we look at how these defenses get it done, like the Jets for the majority of the season have been the best team as far as sacking the quarterback out of four-man pass rush. Judon on the other side out of the usual like Ooh. Patriots three down, create a bunch of five, you know, five-man front so you can get one-on-one matchups. It, it's all been really good. The thing I worry about is you mentioned like the vibe good around the Jets right now they were riding a four-game win streak into that last game against the Patriots too like the vibes were decently good there even if there might have been still concern about Zach Wilson so not he's got to earn it for me because we know part of this too is like offensively for them losing Brees Hall sucks but I'm pretty sure he was out for that last matchup too that was Mm -hmm. I think the debut of James Robinson in week eight do I have that right 
So you were already down that weapon, but you know, Garrett Wilson operates on demon time. He's incredible. And you're <laughs> going to see the Patriots do what they usually do and bracket and try and take him away. And I don't know if I can trust Zach Wilson yet to make good decisions against a grown up defense like this. Yeah, I think that's what's so what's a little bit concerning is like the Bills defense is pretty straightforward, right? Like we know what yes. they want to do, but um, the Patriots defense is just uh, I don't even try to think of the right analogy. Um, it, it is like one of those aliens that takes on different forms. Was there? Yeah. Well, so like I would I would say it's like let's compare them to horror movies. The yeah. Bills are like the Bills are like a slasher. It's straight yes. up. We're here to kill you. The Patriots are like a Saw movie where you're just looking for the next weird contraption that's going to give you weird options and lead you to your own demise. I have never seen the Saw movies, but I have read their Wikipedia, so I know this is true. (laughs) Wait, I'm I'm so sad about that, Mina, because given your repertoire of low-voiced impressions, I feel like you doing the (laughs) wanna-play-a-game impression would be grade-A stuff, so that's... Well, Bill Belichick certainly seems like like the... final boss in a horror movie. So it makes sense that he would be able to come up with something to give Zach Wilson nightmares. Oh, the last time it wasn't even like the Patriots were doing crazy stuff on defense, but um, you know, this is, I, I called them underrated. I mean, what's been remarkable about this unit is this corner group coming into the NFL looked like the worst in the league. I, I don't think that's an exaggeration or at least one of the worst. And not only has a secondary been playing well, but you're getting contributions from rookies. We'll see when um, Jack Jones takes over. I, 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 they actually have interesting questions, right? Because like they have actually so many decent to good DBs that they can be deployed in a different, much of different ways. They probably have the deep, they definitely have the deepest safety group in the league. Um, so they can create all kinds of problems on the back end that buy them time on the front end. Where you alluded to it, like Matthew Judon he should be in the defensive player of the year conversation. What he is doing, there's no uh, smoke and mirrors about it too. It's like, it's not just that he leads the league in sacks. He's at the top in everything else. And like you said, the, the Patriots do a really, really good job of getting one-on-ones for their star rushers um, through games up front. But he's just winning, man. So if Zach Wilson doesn't get the ball out quickly in this one, in the Bills game, he averaged 2.31 time to th- times to throw, which is insane for him if you've watched him play. Um, I'm worried, but you know, we know that's what they want him to do. We know that's what they want him to do. And then like, it's very weird that this is now not the only quarterback question we have in this game. Like the Mac Jones situation has seemed to reach critical mass in new England, even though I still can't tell him and Bailey Zappi apart. (laughs) Well, um, the way you tell them apart is one of them is good at playing under center and the other one is Mac Jones. (laughs) Um, yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. Because, yeah, this is nightmarish on both sides of the ball. Uh, We can talk about the Jets defense and how they match up with New England. But, like, part of the frustration with the Pats on offense is, like, diagnosing the problem because there are so many issues, it seems like. Um, Starting with, you know, Jones has completely regressed. I mean, his numbers in Zach Wilson's are very comparable in pretty much every... I respect, but especially under pressure, he's been a disaster. He's trying to throw deep and failing and throwing interceptions. Um, he seems just like genuinely to have trouble reading the field now, which is crazy because that was supposed to be his greatest asset and appeared to be last season. Now, some of that I think is, well, a lot of it is just on him, of course, but 
I do feel like they are running the wrong offense for him. Um, it's like it's it's not too dissimilar from Zach in that you want him to get the ball out quickly. But my feeling watching them is like, you know, whenever they put him under center and they trying to throw those deep shots of play action, like they should just do what he did in college. Just put him in the gun, spread things out, let him point guard his way up and down the field. And I don't know why they don't do that more often. No. And like I get. So like if you look back at the last matchup here, they kind of tried to do a lot of the things that you do against quality defensive lines, like run it right at them, build the plane out of screens, get the ball out of his hands fast that way, give him a chance to all go downhill. Like the stuff that worked for the Patriots last year, quite frankly, is line them up, mash them up, big gap runs up front and try and go from there. But I'm with you as far as the passing, especially given the weapons that you have. Like it doesn't behoove you to try and sit and go downfield either with the weapons on this team that don't really have like a consistent deep threat that you can count on. Yeah, your best receiver is Jacoby Myers. You know what I mean? Like, I, I in Taekwon Thornton, like, they, like, he's not a number one. I think he's no. a good receiver. He's like, you know, and, and I really think there's ways to use him, especially horizontally. But, like, yeah, it is like they're almost trying to, like, run an offense that they don't have the players for. I also, and this is what I really wanted to hear your take on, and this matters a great deal in this game because of how good the Jets' four-man rush has been. I don't really understand this offensive line. Like, it feels like every week is a different configuration. I don't know what the best one is. Um, it seems like certain players are playing worse than they did before. Like, what do you see when you look at this Patriots O-line? Yeah, it's kind of been a bizarre experience for most of the year. Like, obviously, a lot of people were focused on early on Cole Strange, that draft pick that was surprising, so everyone was going to have eyes on him. And, like, you know, that was – it was something. I don't think he was terrible for a lot of stretches. It just – I think it all does go back to, and I know, you know, your colleague on NFL Live and our dear friend Dan Orlovsky talked about a lot of the change at coordinator, like – Asking Mm. them to do different stuff in all these phases, I think, has a little bit of an effect on everyone. You started off this season moving Isaiah Wynn over to right tackle and that not going extraordinarily well, to say the least. And so I think once you mix up the bag enough on that, like, you know, offensive line's pretty simple to explain in that it's best cooked like a brisket, like low and slow and consistent. (laughs) And when you start to change the parts around and change the communication while you're doing a bunch of things that are new because the voice is telling you to do them are near, you're bound to make a lot more mistakes. That's why, again, like it almost felt like the Jets game plan last time forced them to simplify the equation a little bit and put them in some more advent. And maybe that's the best thing for them is the defensive line and the personnel sort of dictating, hey, this is how we're going to go about it because all those things do tend to be the easiest for an offensive line to go execute because it has been frustrating for sure. They also just kind of like change it up week to week. Like some weeks, they, the run game looks more like the traditional Patriots run game, right? And then other yeah. weeks, it's that outside zone, you know, which we heard before the season. And when I was pulling numbers, we did this segment on NFL Live um, about success in, in, in the run game on early downs. And I talked a little bit about how power and counter are much more successful this year than zone runs. So I just grant glanced at the Patriots out of curiosity using PFF's database. And... <laughs> They are so bad at outside zone. It is shocking. Like they're first of all, the percentage of runs is way up. Again, it's week to week though. Sometimes it's not. But their only their success rate on outside zone runs is fifteen point two percent. That is so low. Um, to put that in context, the average rates usually hover around thirty on like most types of runs. I mean, I was like, damn. Like I didn't think it would be that bad. Yeah, I mean, personnel-wise, it's just not a lot of guys that, like, 
what we associate with the Patriots and how they've built this in recent years, it's big, big downhill runners. It's yeah. like it's what you think about when we talk about Tampa Bay in recent years, too. As you look at this current NFL, so much of that conversation around Gapper's own, it's why, you know, obviously different team and a lot of different reasons, but it's why the Ravens draft choice at center was so interesting to me because you took a player that was predominantly a small, like, mm. it's smaller guys, it's faster guys that are supposed to run that outside zone stuff and give the Ravens credit. It's worked very well. He's but looked good. Yeah. yeah, he's he's looked really good. But um, you know, you look at this team; it's built a lot of like you know, Trent Brown's not an outside zone left tackle by and large. You look on and on down the list, Yadney when he's been in, you know, it just again styles make fights on both sides of the ball, and the Patriots have been a gap team for the last few years now. And so going and trying to force that down their throat when that's not something that group excels at, you know, a lot of teams get in trouble like that because you get coordinators that fall in love with that is the play that they want to run with, especially right now because it's been in vogue the last few years. So the Patriots defense is near the top of the league in DVOA. So is the Jets. Where do you stack up this New York defense league-wide? Um, I mean, it's, I would probably say it's in like the top, I feel like top six, top seven range makes sense. Like, yeah. again, we've talked so much, especially in the AFC this year about the priority on just four down, let them go and get after it. And the Jets D line's been so much fun to watch. I know they got, uh, they got a little bit banged up too, which sucks, but like Quinn and Williams has played great this year. They've managed to get pressure in the interior like that. So I, I think that is the foundation. And then, you know, hitting on young draft picks. Like, what Sauce has done in the back end has been a ton of fun to watch. He's a defensive rookie of the year kind of guy. So I'd say they'd be up in that range because when you can do that kind of stuff, it simplifies everything else and makes life easier. Yeah, there there are no holes. Like, the role players are all playing really well, right? Like, we talk a lot about Sauce and, and Dominique. I talked about DJ Reed. But even a guy like Michael Carter, who I think was like a fourth. Yo. He was later. Like, he's playing well. Or Jonathan yeah. Franklin Myers, who I'm like obsessed with, is really, really good up front. Um, they're just very complete. And yeah, like they, I think absolutely top six, seven feels right for both of these defenses, um, which is part of why I'm having a really hard time thinking who's going to win. I mean, basically, it's like which quarterback is going to be a better caretaker of the football, I feel like is what it comes down to. Yeah, and I'd probably lean New England in that case just because it's been so much of the book on Zach. But like you said, I think the Patriots are three-and-a-half-point favorites, so it's mm. it's typical of this division right now. This is a really important game for Zach Wilson, in my opinion, because yep. it really, you know, we really need to see, can you do what you did before the bye? Can you play within yourself? Can you play from the pocket? Because he's... I've, I've been saying this for a long time with him. Like, even last year when he was, you know, obviously he struggled all season. But when he did get the ball quickly, it was okay, right? Like, you know, it generally decent, from a, especially from a clean pocket. So if he can do that again, regardless of the outcome, I think as a Jets fan, you feel good. Because if he can't, if he reverts to his old ways, it doesn't frankly matter how good this defense is. No, and he's getting help from his coordinator. He's getting help from the offense. Yeah. Like, they do a lot of the things that are supposed to help young quarterbacks. They're really creative with how they deploy Garrett Wilson, who's their surest weapon. So it, it's – you're right. It's a very important development game. And I know a lot of people were, I think, trying to rush that early in the season, coming off the injury stuff. Yeah. Like, but we're getting to the point now. It's not cutting time. Like, you got to start to show us something here in year two. All right. Let's jump to – a game featuring another quarterback from that draft who appears to be trending very much in the right direction, 
Mm. Bears Falcons. I think this is yeah. a good game. I think it's a really interesting game. Um, let's start with the Chicago offense because I haven't really gotten into like the Justin Fields situation of it all. Um, over the last few games, I just I guess they just haven't played in good games that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. But um, let, let's start here. Okay. Well, first, oh my God, I just realized this. The Falcons could have had Fields. This is the Kyle Pitts draft. Oh yeah. So God. there's also hometown kid. Well, and I was going to say, one of the things when I was looking at this game, getting ready for the podcast, was based on what we've seen from Arthur Smith so far, how much fun would Justin Fields have been instead of Marcus Mariota at the helm of this offense? Woo! Like Marcus Mariota on, like, just turbocharged, right? Um, Oh, my God. They would be averaging, like, 400 yards on the ground per game. It would be... Bananas. Okay, sorry, Falcons fans. Yeah, I actually, yeah. <laughs> Please, I, Charles I, McDonald. Yeah. I hope you're not listening right now. <laughs> I said, I said on my earlier pod this week that Falcons fans are my favorite in the NFL. So I feel like I might have bought some goodwill. But um, and they're probably screaming the same thing. They're they're probably upset yeah. that they don't have Justin Fields watching him. Okay, but let's start there. Let's start with the Bears' offense versus a very bad Falcons defense, um, and vice versa. By the way, uh, do you? How much of this feels sustainable to you? Like, do you see the improvements as a passer as well? Or do you feel like things are trending in that direction? Or Because this seems to be the, the obviously what he's doing is it's electric. But, you know, they're like in the fourth quarter against Detroit, was not very good throwing the football. And there's kind of ups and downs. Like, how do you feel about the direction that Fields is going in and this offense? Um, I mean, the so the offense did the smart thing, and we've seen this from plenty of teams. Like, even look at the Eagles last year. Did the smart thing and just leaned into, hey, this is what we're good at right now. We had tried to throw the ball way too much early in the season. Let's just let them go ground and pound this. And it helps even out. Like, we knew the Bears' offensive line, not a good unit. This makes life a ton easier on them. So you're sort of doing what you have to do. But And I've heard you, and talk, you talk about it, and I've heard other people. No, like, the, the progress as a passer hasn't, it happened at nearly the same pace, and there's still plenty of moments where holds onto the ball too long, tries to do a little bit too much, and now because he's had so much success as a scrambler, which has you know been just as big a part of the success as some of the designed rushing stuff, it kind of empowers yes. you to open like to continue to develop some of those things that might end up being bad habits. Like I think as we go along, the design runs are awesome and using him in the zone read, especially when Cole Komet's been your most consistent offensive weapon outside Mm -hmm. of Justin Fields. I think that's great. I think I would sacrifice a few less awesome scramble runs in the name of the ball coming out on time a little bit more, because I think that's what you're need. You're working on now is all right. We know this is going to be fun for this season, but looking at that division, you're not going to do anything worth a damn. This needs to be about like long-term sustainable good habits down the back half of the season. I agree. It's hard because the pass catching group is so lackluster. Right. And it's something I'd really like to see in this one because, you know, like the Falcons secondary is a disaster right now. I don't know if they're getting AJ Terrell back anytime soon. You know, he wasn't, you know, he was kind of struggling a little bit before he was injured, but um, you know, they lost Casey Hayward. It's, it's, they, they should be able to throw on this team. Um, and then the Falcons pass rush is also not super impressive. Don't worry, Falcons fans. We're gonna I'm gonna crap on the Bears defense in a second. So <laughs> I think like you just traded a second for Claypool, and you, that's not happening yet. I think just as important as getting feels to maybe like you said, like some of those scrambles, just get the ball out quickly. I think you really want to establish Claypool as a part of your offense 
Um, and not just, you know, on like a couple jet sweeps and a, and a go ball. Like you want him to be, he, he, I mean, with what you gave up for him, he should be the dude. Well, and, uh, and you know it's just not happened yet. You know, what's interesting to think about with him is I remember coming out of college. A lot of people were almost like bummed when he ran so well, because size wise, mm. he kind of, and this, you know, bore out in Pittsburgh as well, because he was in the same room with him. Like, Size-wise, physicality, a lot of comps to Juju Smith-Schuster. And you look at this offense, especially this week. Like, Cole Komet, I think, is, you know, at least shown up on the injury report. He had that quad contusion when he took a knee to the quad in that last game going across the middle. (laughs) If he's limited at all, you wonder if it forces them to kind of maybe think about using Claypool to offset some of those targets, you know, low in the flat where Komet's operated in the middle of the field. Like, kind of in that role where Juju's operated opposite Travis Kelsey in a very different Chiefs offense. I get it, but Mm. just stylistically, you wonder if some of those targets could go his way if Cole's not 100%. Yeah, I mean, we saw him on the receiving end of RPOs before. You know, like I think you could see him working over the middle of the field too. He's he's like you said, he's pretty strong, um, and I think that w- like I would really like to see a functional RPO game as part of the Bears offense because I do think uh, it would open things up underneath as well. Um, I mean, it's just he the field is so fun to watch. This all feels like kind of like a a buzzkill because. He's like right now one of the five offensive players who are must-see TV to me. I mean, I hate to do the like, well, is he good enough outside the running? Because the running is unreal. Like, I I thought he was a good runner. He didn't run much in college. But that's the the wild part. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. But the way – like – I was going to Dominique. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, The his ability to elude sacks and the balance and the vision is just incredible. Well, and it's wild to me because I kind of had this argument the other day on our podcast where I wasn't sure, like, speed-wise, he's the fastest quarterback besides Lamar Jackson in the NFL. Like, the way he pulls away from dudes and gets himself out of those quick jams, but then watching Buffalo in that last game against Minnesota, so many of the Josh Allen scrambles, I go, oh, that's just, like, Justin Fields is doing a Josh Allen impression, and he's big and he's strong like Josh. Like, he's a lot sturdier of a build than... Lamar even packing on weight this season. So he does kind of give you the best of both of those guys. I don't know if he's if he's as good a between-the-tackles runner as either of those two, but the speed and size combo is just ridiculous. Um, On the flip side, do you think... I, have they said that it's Mariota in this one? I don't know if you've said so it. So Arthur said Smith came out and said there is no situation at quarterback, I think was the quote. That's like, what is our situation, Dad? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> he's so over the top about all this when he's asked about it. Well, that's, you know, like a low balls clickbait question. It's like, bro, it's a totally re- – you drafted a quarterback this year. Your quarterback played like shit last week. It's a totally reasonable question. I get, like, you don't have to answer it, but stop acting like it's insulting that it's even being posed. Arthur Arthur Smith answers questions about the Falcons like Elon Musk answering questions about Twitter. <laughs> the link economy. I, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, just answer the question. Yeah, just... Well, I mean, it wasn't it him and Rob Z- Rob Sala that got zesty in the same week defending their team when Sala was talking about yes. receipts and they're both slamming tables and stuff. Arthur Smith yeah. just hasn't turned it off. Yeah, it's over the. I don't know. I, 
whatever. Anyways, we don't have to get into it. Um, I, I, I've said, I said on PTI, like, I think they should switch to Ritter. I mean, the thing about Mariota is like, you saw the Carolina just was like, hell, we're just going to stack the box. Let's see how this goes. And it goes well because he's an inconsistent thrower. Sometimes you'll get nice shots off of play action when he's on, but he wasn't on. And then on top of that, he was forcing the football, right? Like risking turnovers. And then you start asking, well, why the hell is this guy out of here? If he's, if he's going to, you know, turn the ball over. Um, that said, he'll probably, it's the bears. So he'll probably look fine if he plays in this game because the bears right. traded away all of their defense. Yeah, exactly. This can be a real confirmation bias situation. So to that, and I'm with you, I would go, this is a nice soft landing spot to start your young quarterback and get Desmond Ritter some reps because that's the thing is, do I think like down in, down out, he can be as involved a runner? Like, no, Desmond's really mobile and he was good on zone read and scramble stuff when he was in college at Cincinnati. But like, you want to take a look at the arm. The guy's got some really, really cool physical tools in that department. And at this point, why not? Like, you're still in such a long-term rebuild mode, especially on defense of this franchise. Make sure you can see if you've got something there. But See what you have, exactly. Yeah. Because, like, even if you're a fringe, you know, everyone, like, Falcons fans seem more aware of this. Than, um, like, yes. even if you're racking up wins, you know this isn't a playoff team. Or, you know, you're not going to win a playoff game, even if you somehow squeeze in. So the idea that you should just do it, you know, stick with the veteran for the sake of not taking that risk, it just doesn't sit right with me. Um, yeah. But anyways, that said, whoever it is in this game, the Bears defense is awful. <laughs> um, mm. They don't, I mean, they're, you know, it's just they're, they're just super undermanned. I mean, you saw that against, I mean, the front seven is just, they're just up against it. They've, you know, they just don't have the dudes right now. The secondary looked bad against Detroit, which is unfortunate because those are the kind of the young guys like Jalen Johnson and Kyle Gordon you want to build around, right? But they're just, they're just so outgunned right now. I don't think Atlanta will have any trouble moving the ball on them. No, this game's going to be awesome because no one's going to have any earthly, like, forget interest, ability to stop anyone. Because you're right, like, the Bears made that decision on defense. They sent the good guys away. And so this becomes like, did you see that Kevin Durant quote going around about their lineup right now (laughs) where he's like, look at the guys around me. What do you expect this group to be able to do? Like, that's what you could absolutely say about the Bears defense. No, like, it is truly no offense to those guys. They're a bunch of guys in the NFL. They're, They're out there on the field doing their best but they're not a roster that was constructed with the idea of success in mind at this point on defense. I can I say one more thing? I'm not to just keep harping on this Mariota thing, but this just the fact that they did take Pitt's eighth overall, right, over mm-hmm. fields. Like, you almost have to look at that and like ask, are you are you are you jeopardizing that investment? Because Mario simply cannot throw to him, man. Like that miss to to Pitts in the in the Panthers game was one of the worst misses I've seen this season and you know we see the numbers I mean I'm not just saying this because I'm a Kyle Pitts fantasy owner and that's fine it's not a big deal but it like you he's supposed to be Grok like if you you if you draft a tight end at ace you should and he's not being productive you should take a hard look at why as a team because you are absolutely not getting the most out of him right now. No, and like you said, that was supposed to be like when that pick happened, I justified it as because that time Matt Ryan was still your quarterback, and I said this is supposed to be your bridge towards the next quarterback and to be able to be a capable, like easy weapon in the middle of the field for that. 
And you're just saying, nope, nuke his rookie contract and we'll worry about yes. it some other time. It's ridiculous. All right. I don't know who I'm going to pick in this one either. Um, man, I was. I mean, part of me is like, well, the Bears can't stop shit, but the Falcons just let Dante Foreman like, put up like 800 yards combined on them. I it, This is just going to be... Uh, I'd, I'd, t- I'd take the Bears just for what you said right off the top. Like, it's basically a Spider-Man pointing meme, but the other side's got the quarterback that's more like Superman. Yeah. So, push yeah. comes to shove. Like, I'll take that guy, all things being equal in this game. All right. Cowboys-Vikings, this is probably the game of the weekend, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, without looking, maybe you already looked. What do you think the line is? Oh, I, I looked at this one. What in the okay. hell? Like, this stinks to high heaven. Yeah, well, yeah. Vikings fans, do you think I don't respect you guys? Because I said on first take, ah. I thought the Bills were a better team. Vegas has the Cowboys by one and a half. It's in Minnesota. Yo. <laughs> like, no respect. None ya. Um, okay. I, lots to get into. I mean, oh, God, there's Lenny. So, so. A uh, little peel behind the curtain. We're taping this an hour before Lenny's dinner time, which is when, can you hear him scratching at the door? Oh, this yeah. Is when he starts agitating for it. his dinner, like Cujo, just, I've never seen Cujo. But I, I, I feel like the, the beast, the beast in Sandlot where you just hear him yeah. rattling the fence. <laughs> All right. Let's see if I can stand tall in the face of this pressure. Um, okay. So the, the Cowboys obviously coming off an incredible letdown. Um, and, you know, let's start with the Vikings offense versus the Cowboys defense because I th- I'm very fascinated to see how this plays out. Uh, so, you know, the Cowboys lost to Green Bay. We talked a lot about, obviously, the Cowboys run defense being a true weakness. But I got to say, Mike, for having the purported best pass rush in the NFL, I was not – and granted, obviously, the fact that the the Packers were running at them, neutralize this to some extent. And I don't know if you noticed, but like they really were just like, like even they had Parsons um, playing off the ball. Yeah. I think out of just like, fuck, we got to do anything here. I don't know if that, I don't, at first, I actually questioned that approach, but um, the whole defense was really quite a letdown. It wasn't just stopping the run. Like I didn't think they were getting after it. The blitzes weren't getting home and they were struggling in coverage, granted with some injuries. This is a, a, a unit that is not as dominant as it seemed. No, I mean, shout out to the super best friends like Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari finally teamed back up and it seemed like, you know, all was right in the world because it was, it was bullying them right up the middle and personnel wise, we know they're not the biggest unit in the middle, but I'm with you. The Micah Parsons thing, I I get wanting to involve him, but just we've seen at this point, there's a large enough sample size. His best stuff is not playing off ball in the middle there, especially against the run, like at least give yourself a chance and destroy whatever side of the line of scrimmage you want to put him on. But he's a pass rusher at this point. He's an edge guy. Like, let him go out there and be great at that. Well, I got to think the Vikings offense saw what Green Bay did to Dallas on the ground. I, earlier, and I was saying that zone runs weren't as successful, but zone runs, the, the, the Packers were killing them with zone runs. And we all know that's what, you know, it kind of lost in the um, Justin Jefferson game was the fact that like Dalvin Cook also broke off some pretty insane runs right against Buffalo and I gotta think they're looking at this Cowboys defense and seeing what Green Bay to them on the, did to them on the ground and thinking we could do the same yeah oh it's, I mean it's got to be a hundred percent of the game plan at this wow. point for the Cowboys Sorry. it's got to be Stanzik just reminded me that Pitts was drafted fourth not eighth jeez oh, oh god 
Guys, what are we doing? He wears number eight, Mina. It's confusing. Fourth is... Oh, uh, yeah. It's conf- I can't believe that happened. Well, okay, don't waste your fourth overall pick. Okay, sorry. Back to the Vikings <laughs> game. But yeah, no, I mean, until further notice, that should be the game plan against Dallas, right? Beat them up up the middle yeah. until they were, you know, until they're able to stop you. So, yeah, I, I mean, I would say the Vikings even a little more like lateral east to west than the Packers who are going to come at you mm-hmm. straight up a little bit more often. But you're right. Dalvin Cook is exceptional as a, you know, in the screen game, in the, you know, uh, in the zone run game, all that stuff. So, yeah, it, it's. It's been well. I guess it's one of those things too that happened in the last couple of weeks, and to an extent, like with the Eagles this past weekend, where now that those teams dropped a game we weren't expecting, all of a sudden nationally we'll be like, "Oh yeah, they actually aren't good at this and haven't been good at this for a while," and someone finally made them pay for it. So Dallas is primarily a man defense at cover one, and Green Bay did. I, I think up some of that was they just like had no idea Christian Watson was coming, right? Like they yes. got they were I mean he was just every time they they uh the Packers, like there's no reason to think that you couldn't just play cover one against them before last week and they were like, yeah, actually this is we got a dude who can separate. Um so it's interesting because I think uh, some teams have some success manning Jefferson. I mean, I talked about this like arguably the Bills actually <laughs> covered him really well, but the Eagles Played well against him. Um, if you're the Vikings, or pardon me, the Cowboys, rather, how do you approach this matchup? And is there anything you think they can do to shore up their run defense? I mean, you mentioned the amount of man coverage they played. Throw more bodies at it would be the place that I would start and try and yeah. see if you can spin somebody else down in the box and make that happen. I mean, especially, and you talk, I know you guys, we talked about this, the gap runs versus outside runs, like, spread out the line of scrimmage a little bit more, really try and flatten this thing out and force cutbacks. Like those would be all the ways given their defensive structure that would make sense to do that. But you know, Dan Quinn's a pretty smart guy. I'm sure he's thought of that. And if they're not doing that, like, I don't know, it's either stubbornness or just like we've exhausted that option and just personnel wise in the middle, we don't have the bodies to stomach that. Yeah. They traded for um, Jonathan Hankins. Right. And yeah, a little bit, but it it feels. It, I do question. I think it's reasonable to question. Like, do they have the guys? That said, like, you know, you'd you'd rather have the Vikings run on you than have Justin Jefferson kill you. Um, I think for them, the key is just going to be bringing down Kirk Cousins, and it, you know, it's it, it just. I mean, that the Bills had a lot of success doing that. It just ended up there. Just ended up being like some crazy plays, right, and the runs. But I don't think. I think that there's a reason to believe that the Cowboys' pass rush can bounce back in this one. I, let's see. What's up with Derisaw, though, by the way? he So he exited the game, I yeah. believe, with a concussion, right? So that's... Okay. Massive. Sorry. Yeah, that would be massive if he's still out in this one. I would be concerned because that would pretty... Especially, with, with again, with the Cowboys and their pass rush, that would be hard for Minnesota. But like I said, I do think they're going to be able to run on them. Um, on the flip side... Dallas should be able to run on Minnesota. They should be able to pass on Minnesota as well. I guess, were you, I felt like the loss to Green Bay was more on the defense. Um, it felt like, you know, Dallas, they, they, they ran the ball well on them, as to be expected, and Dak threw a couple of interceptions that were kind of the faults of his receivers. Like, I don't really feel like my opinion is that much changed about this offense. No, it's and I mean, really, you got another Tony Pollard proof of concept game right now. It was a little bit more softball runs for them, right? Like draws and stuff where Tony Pollard runs like he's got bare feet on fresh, hot sand. 
Like it's it's so wild. On yeah, it's exactly that sort of sound, especially on a lot of those draw plays. But like average five and a half yards of carry again was getting the volume because Zeke's been out. So yeah, this has been exactly what they've been. And against this Vikings front, with you know how spread out they want to play and how wide mm-hmm. this can be, there's plenty of spots for them to hit it up and like quite honestly on the perimeter like that's where Buffalo tried to get over on these guys a bunch was getting out on the edges and we see all the time them pulling Zach Martin pulling Tyler Smith getting those guys out in space against little guys like that's they love doing that stuff and this Vikings especially on the outside I mean you saw their receivers having plenty of success um excuse me for the for the Bills going out there and being able to win blocking on the edge yeah, and they were down. Uh, yeah, well, so so the Bills had success running the ball on them to the outside, to your point, in the first half. Then the Vikings made a concerted effort to set the edge, and they basically were daring the Bills to run up the gut, and the Bills just are incapable of doing that. We'll get to that. Um, the Cowboys are very capable <laughs> of yes. doing that. So to your point, like, this, this should be I, – I think, like, where they get into trouble is when they try to do too much in the pass game, honestly, or, like, when Dak – and this is where I do think you can criticize him for trying to fit kind of tight window throws unnecessarily. Um, it's th- like they should, this Cowboys offense, the run game is so good that it shouldn't, they shouldn't be forcing those. Like he should, this was the whole thing watching the Cooper Rush offense, right? Is like, oh shoot, they can run like this really, granted, you know, there's a million things that went into that, but like this, they don't have to be um, playing on hard mode, I guess. And, that sounds so vague, but I guess my point is like just no need for Dak to throw di- like over the well, middle of the field into tight windows. He should be. They should be using him more as a runner. Um, they should be using. They they have like pretty varied personnel groups. They should be using that to get him matchups that he wants. It just kind of felt like a little bit of a step back after the previous week. Yeah, I mean that one uh that one interception where you had two receivers basically yeah. in the same area that like you said, both of those ones I, I saw your tweet, Greg Olson did a really good job of explaining the second one where the guy's supposed to come underneath the safety, but like that first one, yes, those guys looked like they were clearly in the wrong, but also that's not a ball that needs to go anywhere near there then if you're Dak yeah. Prescott. And so exactly. you know, that's a that's another part of it too, where you know the conversation around Zeke isn't that he's you know not important to this team. It's that he shouldn't be the tip of the spear in the running back room. But like when you have him back, when you can do those two back sets, when you can put Tony Pollard in the slot, all these things that kind of throttle down, you know, put a governor on the top end of the offense and make you more likely to make your layups near the line of scrimmage or in the intermediate where you should be operating might be the one area where it's like, all right, when he comes back, like in addition to pass protection, being able to utilize that as a personnel group again more pretty effectively will probably be a win. And there are a lot of areas in this Vikings defense where they can attack and get mismatches. So Mm. it shouldn't, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, this is interesting. I don't know. I think, like, in some ways, like, the line, like we like we said, it's disrespectful to Minnesota, given their record, I guess. But in some ways, it makes sense, um, because I do think this Cowboys offense should be able to score on this Vikings defense. But conversely, I do think the Vikings offense will be able to exploit the Cowboys on the ground. So, I, I don't know. I view this as being pretty close. I do too. I think part of it, and I, I saw Aaron Schatz and the guys over at Football Outsiders did a good write up on the Vikings. Like, 
we talk about hidden yardage all the time, and usually I joke that that's just people talking about special teams. But the Vikings, it's actually there. They are 30th in penalties and 27th in penalty yards, but tied for 5th in penalties against and 6th in penalty mm. yards against. Wow. Like, Whew. yeah, they they recovered four fumbles in that Buffalo game. Like, that's all stuff you can't count on. The Vikings statistically in a lot of, like, as you call them, the nerd stats – pretty average at most things outside of throwing the ball up to Justin Jefferson. And so when you have all those other areas that are going to help you, yeah, that can go and be attributed in some ways to good coaching because we talk about teams that are penalized less often. That's usually an indication of coaching. So I'll give Kevin O'Connell that credit, but you know, turnover luck, some of those things, it was fully on display in that Buffalo game. That was like watching the Ravens against the Dolphins in whatever that was early in the season where one Mm. team was the better team for three and a half quarters. And then the wheels fell off because you had a couple of boneheaded turnovers in Buffalo in Buffalo's case or you had in the Ravens case a secondary that just forgot how to cover people so it's not (laughs) like it's not slanderous it's just the reality that this team has gone out there that like the best compliment I saw for Kirk Cousins from Brandon Thorne who does a great job covering offensive line on Twitter is like the guy's going to be where he's supposed to be in his drop every time. There aren't a lot of special things about Kirk Cousins, but like the rest of this team, consistent and dependable. And that's a good thing. It just also means that without a lot of high-end traits outside of Justin Jefferson, I'm not going to overrate the results of a lot of these things. Which is why you should just keep throwing it up to Justin Jefferson. <laughs> yes, do that, man. It's so cool. It's so cool. It works. It works. It works. It wasn't even just the crazy. Like so many of his catches, like the the almost touchdown catch, got like lost in all of that. That was a crazy play. I mean, he does. Oh. He's, and I, mean, I don't think, I don't think Dallas can stop him. I'll say that. Like I think that's going to be a really tough challenge for them. I I agree. It's just so crazy to think about in that game when you go back that the catch came right after what could have been another narrative sack for Von Miller. Like that played directly before Von Miller did the thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. We'll talk about that all day tomorrow. And then completely erased. They played Semisonic's closing time, headed to the break. Ah, and I was right. like, what a great musical cue. This is over. And then it wasn't because Justin Ugh. Jefferson is freaking awesome. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. I don't know. I got to think about this one. Let's take a quick break, come back, and talk about the snow game. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched 
with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. All right, we are back, and we are headed to Buffalo. Actually, I forgot to get the exact snow, inches of snow projection. Lake effect snow warning. Oh, God. Heavy lake effect snow, total snow accumulations of two to three for the most persistent lake snows. It says it's mostly going to start Thursday, so I think the stormy aspect of it should be over. Um, this is... The bills are favored by eight and a half. I wouldn't touch this with a snowplow or whatever. Because <laughs> the snow is just so crazy. Even, you know, like I, I, now we have seen both these teams, but we've seen Josh Allen not even that long ago play in pretty snowy conditions. It is extremely fun to watch. Um, it's, it, it throws a little bit of a, a wrench into what I was about to say at the start, although I think it's still true. Which is, if the Bills can't run on the Browns, they're hopeless. <laughs> yes. Yes. We I talked mean, about like a gut check week for, for Zach Wilson earlier. This got to be it, y'all. Like, they're yes. bad. They're hurt. There is everything in front of you here. Go forward and prosper. <laughs> Dude, they, this, I, I, like, I was pulling the numbers on how bad their run defense is. They are so far and away the worst in the NFL. By yes. just about every metric, and it's the entire front seven. Like it's power, it's at the second level, it's every kind of run. They cannot stop people up front. Um, and so we're coming off a game where we talked about this earlier. The Bills were invited to run and could not, and I think some a lot of that has to do with their blocking. But goddamn, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, have to. Th- this, I, mean, the, I mean, the Browns are probably going to stack it, right? Like they're, they're going to just do everything they can, given the conditions, to stop it. I would I would imagine so because it's it's wild to watch the Browns like you can see why they get run on so easily there's wide like wide nines on defense every time you're giving a ton of space for linemen to get up to basically an entire backup linebacker core at this point because of how banged up they've been in the middle what part of that sounds like a recipe or a setup to go ahead and have success against the run none of it and especially for a Buffalo team that like we've seen they love to mix in traps and stuff on the inside like this is a Browns defensive front that's tailor-made for some of the shit that you want to do yeah um how concerned are you like generally about the bills lack of run game by the way where's naeem hines they traded for naeem hines i was promised naeem hines i uh, did he even get any carries i feel like i barely saw him i think he had like a reception or two in that last game Mm. as because, I mean, that's been the Bills thing, right, is they just use short run. Like they're, the Bills are a true air raid offense yeah. because they basically just use the running back in the flat as the extension of, like, the air raid is, you know, the triple option but for passing. So that's just the dive. And that's how they've treated it. Like, that's their run game. They're hardly ever under center. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's it's no wonder, like, this team, if you talk about, like, why the run game hasn't worked, reminds me of um, – 
a story I think I heard about the Broncos Super Bowl with Peyton Manning against the Seahawks that year where they were getting baptized is Peyton Manning reportedly wanted to like go in at halftime and start running the ball more and they're like we haven't done that all year like we're not equipped to do this we haven't repped <laughs> this this wasn't part of our game plan you can't just show up one day and be like all right well now we're going to decide to do it when you've spent your whole amount of time and all your reps going for an offense that's just Josh Allen drop back and do the special thing more often than not so as far as that special thing goes, Vikings fans are mad. mad. I'm sorry. I'll stop doing that. I'll stop complaining <laughs> about it. They were mad because I was like, Josh Allen was better. And then he made boneheaded errors. Like that literally is an accurate description of the game. That is what happened. Um, he was awesome until he wasn't. I, I don't really have like a fix for him putting on the cape in the red zone and doing these, like making these horrible interceptions that are like just totally perplexing um i have to think he's probably going to go into this one with like a very very concerted mindset to not do that uh i don't i, I don't, you know I, I guess if they had a good run game he would feel less pressure but i don't really think that's it I, I i feel like you know this is just him trusting his arm too much to make crazy throws um but there's just no reason to in this uh, uh, i don't know i like this but the rounds defense is not good like just trust your guy. You know, like, yeah. you don't well, have to. I remember do that. Nate Tice saying this one time. He's like, quarterbacks get bored sometimes, especially really talented mm-hmm. ones. And they want to go out there and they want to try and make the crazy play. It's what the Chiefs dealt with last year while everyone was going back and playing too high. Like, that was the adjustment they had to make. And maybe we're seeing that point right now where Josh has to make a little bit of that same adjustment where it's like, all right. I know I can make all these plays and we don't want to pull back the aggressiveness too, too much. But at the same time, that next step in his career is going to be the ability to kind of pull back that every once in a while when the situation dictates it. And like you said, this situation combining weather and ineptitude of the defense on the other side could not be laid out in front of him any better. Yeah. I mean, he's going to also carry the ball just so many times in this game. Oh, so hell yeah. Times. That was so that times. was one of the cool things. I mean, the Bills have always done that pretty well, but in the last game especially, like you saw like a lot of the play sequencing for them and when they decided to drop that in and adjusting to what, you know, you'd seen from the Vikings on the other side, like it, it's especially in a world where gap runs are successful and I know you've mm-hmm. talked about the effect quarterbacks that can have on that. Look no further than <laughs> him. Like make I know you wanted to not do that until the postseason we waved bye-bye to that a long time ago the guy's got a hurt elbow and he's trying to punch out balls let him go out there and live at this point if you think he's really, really not going to hurt it anymore then you got to just take the governor off really wish you didn't try to punch out the ball. yeah what the f- man just Dude, don't. don't do that just don't do that please just don't do that. also slide just once slide I'm freaking begging you slide <laughs> um so on the flip side uh one assumes that the Browns will take a similar tactic or I, I was sorry not a similar tactic I mean we know they're gonna run it a zillion times in this one um you know last time in the last game I actually thought Joey Brissett held up reasonably well against Miami but the Miami's pass rush just completely kicked the Browns ass um you know the the, the Bills are the th- thing about the Bills defense is despite the fact that they were banged up they actually like played pretty well I thought yes. in the Vikings game and they do get back Jordan Poyer I believe he is practicing uh, which is massive for them. Uh, actually, we'll see about Tremaine Edmonds as well, because that was another sneaky, underweighted, ran, underrated, pardon me, injury, because he was playing really, really well. Um, okay, so he's not practicing on Wednesday. So that that hurts versus the run. I, I, I mentioned this. I think people underestimated how much losing Greg Rousseau hurt against the run. Yeah. Um, you saw them, oh. you know, like A.J. Epinesa took a, lot of, a bigger role, and he was getting trucked 
So, you know, there's like a little bit of an inability to, I mean, the Bills are just really, really banged up on defense. Um, so, yeah, I actually could see a world in which the Browns are able to move the ball reasonably well with, on them on the ground. Yeah, they're going to have a shot because it's the overwhelming strength. My biggest concern is just that right now, like getting Poyer back is huge, but we know the back end for the Bills has been super beat up, and there's just no part of this Browns offense that's consistently built to take advantage of that, right? Like, you mentioned part of the sacks too. Like, part of that is on Jacoby Brissett. Like, you look at this, like, it kind of bears out, right? The offensive line is third in pass block win rate. Uh, but their sack percentage is 15th. Jacoby Brissett is 7th in slowest time to throw. They mm. don't complete balls downfield. They're 15th in percentage of their throws that go for 20-plus. So it's a quarterback who's holding on to the ball for a long time, who sometimes drifts on his launch point and makes some bad angles. Like there were a couple of sacks last week where he's drifting back past 7 yards or wherever that top part is supposed to hitch. And so part of me feels bad. Like there were a couple guys that definitely got it handed to him, but some it's just like, man – you're having bad angles made by your quarterback who's drifting while he holds on to the ball, and that's not really sustainable. I can always count on you to defend the offensive line. <laughs> the second you started, you, you brought up that sack, and I was like, oh, here it comes. Oh, uh, man. Um, that, be, that being said, Melvin Ingram, man, that, that's a bad mother. <sighs> I mean, the, the, the Dolphins' pass rush looks awesome in that yeah. game, too. So, no, the uh, But yeah, that is a problem with Brissett. I do, yeah, like, I mean, I, like, I actually think. Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones will get open against whoever is playing cornerback for the Bills, but I think it really, like, you know, to your point, depends on whether or not Brissett gets the ball out faster than this Bills four-man rush gets home. Can, can I ask you a question about Amari Cooper? Mm-hmm. Is the route runner a cool nickname? No. What? Like, That's did like you... Yeah, calling me he, the analyst or calling, like, the podcaster. What? No. It's terrible. Like, he has that on a chain. He's got that on like a a diamond encrusted chain. It's his, uh, like, I think he's like got a, I don't know if it's his company or what, but it's all over his Instagram page. And I saw him doing an interview wearing a chain that said the route runner on it. And I'm like, my, my brother in Christ, you're really description. Yeah. Like we can work a little bit harder on the nickname. I mean, he has a really good route runner. (laughs) Yeah. He sells merch. Yeah, I don't know. That feels a little bit literal to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I think we could do a little bit better. Especially, like, he's got a cool name. I don't know. Yeah, it's, like, again, Cooper's, like, a re- there's a bunch of car puns off that, although I guess, like, Mini Cooper wouldn't really Mini apply because he's pretty thick, but. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Let's see, sometimes pro football reference when you go to the player page, they'll have, like, the weirdest nicknames. No, there's nothing for him. They have not acknowledged the route runner on pro football. Wow, reference. the route runner. Well, check out check out the merch. It's literally a wide receiver with the route tree over the top of him on a shirt. It's it's something. Does, does Justin Jefferson have a nickname? I don't think so. Mm, just Jay Jettis. The yeah, yeah. I mean, Jets. Because I mean, Jets. for like him, like um, Jets yeah, I'm trying to think of any name. any of those LSU guys that are now in the NFL. Like Jamar Chase didn't have uh, a nickname or anything. They're just that good. We're kind of not really living in a good age of nicknames. Like, there aren't that many. There's no, like, playmaker. You know, like, there's no. No, like, no sweetness or anything like that. Yeah, right. Like, who has the best nickname in the NFL right now? I can't really think of anyone. Wow. Remember when um, uh, people found out that Tom Brady, his pro football reference, listed the Pharaoh as a nickname and nobody knew why? 
Wait, I do not remember that. What? <laughs> Look up Tom Brady Pro Football Reference. I'm telling you, they have some of the weirdest nicknames. This is like uh, around the same time that word got out that um, the sheriff was. Okay, Tom Brady. TB12, Tom Terrific, Touchdown Tom, Goat, The Pharaoh, Comeback Kid, <laughs> or Sir? I'm sorry, Sir? sir? No, absolutely not. Devil, you I can't have me. Sir. <laughs> That's so terrible. Wait, now I want to see if Patrick Mahomes has a nickname. He doesn't have any nicknames either. None no. Why are we doing good. this? Like we Tweet have to at me sh- in response to this episode. Yeah. If there are nicknames that we're leaving out. I'm not seeing any like mm. I feel like the sh- like the sheriff okay. when we had Peyton around, all that stuff. But here's what's listed for Patrick Mahomes. This is on his pro football reference page. Grim Reaper. Never heard that in my life. Showtime. What? I think I've heard that. Magic Man. The musician. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Patrick? Patrick is on his pro football reference page? The gunslinger? Mahome boy. Ooh. None of these are real nicknames. Come on. What are we doing? Pro football <laughs> reference, so reliable in so many things, an absolute liability on the nickname front. <laughs> this is like how um, the NFL YouTube has like the weirdest. Okay, no, no, wait, Joe Burrow has some nicknames. But um, okay, anyways, whatever. Oh, wait, oh yeah, that. like Joe, Joe Shiesty and all that stuff. Joe Burr. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one. Joey Franchise. We're doing Joey That's, Franchise, really? Was that on Pro Football Reference? Because we're 100% not doing Joey Franchise. They're no, we're not. They're terrible. I reject this. Joey Franchise. Yeah, Josh Allen. Sorry, I'll stop just googling players' nicknames <laughs> in a second. Um, General. Nobody calls Josh Allen General. I hate this. Okay, <laughs> he's the furthest thing from a general. He's lawless. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay chiefs chargers oh boy this was such a fun week two game but oh my how things change the chargers oh. uh i think they might get mike williams back the, I mean, the, the way you start talking about the chargers is just seeing if they're getting anyone back uh keenan allen i'm not convinced he's ever gonna play football it's not funny it's it's actually not at all i'm sorry I'm, um mike williams though is i think has a good shot to come back in this one but um they are up against it so I actually think the funny thing is kind of lost in the Chargers Niners game, which was kind of a dud, was I thought the Chargers defense actually played really well. Um, I saw a quote, someone posted that like Brandon Seale was like, I actually think that was like my best game this year. And people were kind of dunking on him. But I was like, it's actually true defensively. Um, Chris Consort did a great job pointing out all the very defensive fronts that they were presenting. Um, I thought the way they used Derwin Jane, like, Derwin, you know, just a bunch of different groupings in the back end as well. Um, uh, that said, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, so, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to do that. Um, well, I mean, for you... them, too, Juju's yeah. gonna, Juju's in, con- in concussion protocol right now, which is huge for the way that offense has been operating. So the way the Chiefs' offense are right now is, you know, for, at the beginning part of the season, I talked about this, you had teams playing man coverage against them, but they've gotten better and better at beating man coverage um, through a very, I would say, a combination of play design and then also, like, you got a player like Tony, who's just, like, such a weird, you know, like, the, they figured out how to use their receivers against it, too. The Chargers are an interesting defense because they actually played a ton of man at the beginning of the year. But uh, against San Francisco, you saw a lot of zone. They, they're very capable of mixing it up week to week. Um, I think coming into this one, Mike, like, my only thought is, you, you know, obviously the Chargers still don't have very good run defense. But I would still 
vastly prefer the Chiefs run the ball. And I think defensively with Mahomes, you just want to mix it up. You just want to give him a bunch of different looks. You can't be like the Jags were just so static. And like if you're static and you like he's going to carve you up. So I think just as much confusion as they can sow, sow, the better. Yeah. And I mean, also, to be fair, like this is the kind of offense that Brandon Staley's defense was built to stop right now. Yes. The one other area that's the X factor is the Chiefs offense when they do decide to run the ball, which they didn't last time. Like, I think there was only like nine Mm -hmm. carries for Clyde Edwards-Alaire in that game. Like, they weren't willing to go there. But if you do want to do, like, your offense is at the helm of gap runs. You essentially decided to have Oklahoma's run game from college in an NFL body, especially when you got Orlando Brown over there. You can hit them where it hurts up front, especially with Joey Bosa being dinged up if he's going to play coming into this one. Like, it's... That part's all there for you, but this is what Brandon Staley's defense is supposed to stop, exactly what the Chiefs are, you know, supposed to do. I was talking about Barnwell about the the counter runs being up so much, and he pointed out that literally Andy Reid started the season with like back to back counter runs. Like this is they are very well, good at it. They're just remember so in the preseason, like, like we all were I remember Jeff oh, yeah. Schwartz was going gaga over that. Like they were lining up under center. Like and you know, it was the preseason, which is kind of a misnomer, but they were putting bigger personnel groups on the field. They were do like it's in there. And I'm assuming yeah. we're gonna see it have to show up at some point. It would be an interesting spot this week to try and mix some of that in down the stretch. But yeah, no, they 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 leaned all the way into that on offense. I mean when they look like they're going to pass, they run the ball. When they look like they're going to run the ball, they throw the ball. They're so good. This I thought this was really on display in the Jags game at dictating with their the different personnel groupings. Um, getting, you know, like, I mean, I, I think, like, they've got all these random tight ends now, and they are, like, constantly using them in, in new and interesting ways and getting them on linebackers. It's just a really tough matchup, even for a defense that, like I said, I thought had played a lot better last week. And, um, you know, I, 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 and a defensive coach that I think will come up with a good plan, but I just don't know if they have the juice. And then on the other side of the field, I mean, I don't think she's defense is good. Although I thought I, there's some encouraging things going on, you know, getting Trent McDuffie back, I think is actually pretty huge for them. I thought, you know, he, he's been really, really good, but the chargers offense is just so, well, let me ask you this, how much of it, because we all know the score, which is that it's just like a check down machine. And it's really boring and not fun. How much of that do you think is, it can be attributed to, how hamstrung they are in terms of their skill players and their offensive line versus Joe Lombardi, who is, you know, I, I didn't realize this until I tweeted all the first down runs in the second half. Enemy number one in charges, Twitter charges, Twitter is the real guys and they hate Joe Lombardi. Yeah, no, I, I mean, listen, I think a lot of it just goes back to his tendencies. There's enough of a sample size on that, but to your point too, this is, sort of similar to the problems that have played the Bucks offense early in the season. Your offensive line's been down a bunch of guys due to injury, and your skill players are in and out of the lineup for the same reason. It's hard for anyone to do anything consistent, and so maybe you can justify it for Lombardi saying you've got to simplify the equation just because you're kind of plugging in pieces each week based on what you have available, but we've also seen him do that on good days, and it's been limiting, and it's the reason that offense yeah. was so up and down last year, too. I mean, like... I can also see like going very cons- like the, the thought is like okay we're gonna run the ball or just throw screens on first down so that gives our offensive line sucks but all you're doing is putting Justin Herbert in third and long man over and over and like he made some of the craziest like third down like eight yard throws in that game that you will ever see 
and that nobody will remember. But it was it was so discouraging too because they came out firing. You remember, like in, in the Niners game, it was like, oh my god, yeah. a, a shot play on the first, like you know, it was like unbelievable. Like, and even with their limited offensive line, you know, and, and gradually, I think the, uh, the Niners blitzed a bit more in the second half, and the pass rush just started getting home, and it just kind of got untenable. But the Chiefs' pass rush isn't great. Like, I, I, I think the worst thing they can do in this one is turtle up and just try to play ball control football because it's just not working for them, even with the injuries that they have. Um, I just think you, you can't – you got to go bombs away against this team. Yeah, I, I mean, we had – you and I, I think, had this conversation about Joe Burrow when he was coming off his injury season. And even before that, just like how you operate with a quarterback like this or with the surrounding cast that you have. And mm. there's those two schools of thought. And they've gone bombs away and they've made it work for last year. Obviously, it's a mixed bag this year. But if you're the Chargers, you've tried the other way. Try just letting your quarterback go out there and be the best guy on the field. I get he's injured. I get that those things you want to protect. But at this point, he's out there now. You guys have committed to that. So take the cuffs off and let this thing rock. Why not? He he also looks way healthier. I mean, he was. I thought he was moving better than he has all season. He looked more comfortable um, outside of the pocket. So, you know, you let it rip, man. Like, this is, you know... Uh, you got nothing to lose. I feel like, and like this offensive line is what it is. We'll see, like you know, I think maybe Pipkins will be back for this one. Um, Jamari Salyer has been okay for them at left tackle, but it's just you just not gonna win this way against a team like the Chiefs. Um, you know, I, I do want to quick give a quick nod to the Chiefs defense because I thought they were pretty good in the Chargers game. Uh, and I think Frank Clark might be back for this one. Yeah, I, I believe, yeah, he is back from his suspension. So that should help yeah. the pass rush some. You know, this, this is, it's kind of been a little bit underrated how bad this Chiefs defense has been this year, frankly, um, just because they win games because of the offense. But it feels like they're like, okay, like kind of starting to figure it out a little bit with their personnel. I mentioned McDuffie coming back. Um, Kalen Saunders has come on for them within that on the inside a little bit, but you know, and I think Nick Bolton's playing really good football right now, but you should be able to pass on this team. Oh, no, absolutely. (laughs) I I guess I think just for the chiefs, right? Like, and this all kind of goes back to underscore the Mahomes MVP case. It's like, you're right. Like, the defense is that way. The offense, while they've managed to use all these personnel groups, while it only works well because of him, they've been all close games. This first game against Chargers and Chiefs was kind of indicative of that. They're not, especially as like a, a touchdown-ish or more favorite, they're not covering in a lot of these games. They're, they're keeping it remarkably close. And if you're the Chargers, one or two big plays sways the balance of that. We saw the Vikings do that against the Bills. And so why not give your quarterback a chance to, because just by na- the nature of how this Chiefs team is built now, they're not the ones from a few years ago that are going to run you out of the gym anymore, by and large. Yeah. They, they're just so dependent on the blitz, too. When they don't blitz, everything kind of falls apart for them. So they shouldn't have to blitz Chargers' <laughs> offensive line. Um, but I think this will be a good test for that pass rush or at least a, a, a bar that they should clear. So, yeah, I mean, I lean Chase pretty heavily in yep. this. Um, but, that you know, I'd, I'd really like to see the Chargers unleash a little bit, even with all their limitations and no Keenan Allen. Hopefully Mike Allen's back. That would make or Mike Williams, pardon That would make things a lot more interesting. All right, let's take a quick break and wrap up with a few more games. 
And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Dinks and Dunks is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. As always, five questions for the guest. Four from me, one from Lenny. Are you ready? Let's do this. Okay, so I mentioned Titans-Packers. Um, I know we just saw the Packers look better. However, I kind of lean Titans in this one because the Titans have the best run defense in the NFL. Talk me out of it. Uh, no, I, I can't at this point. Like what we saw the, the the thing that frustrates me about the Packers is we saw them kind of show signs of this against Buffalo a few weeks ago, and then they came out against the worst rush defense in the NFL, or one of them in the Detroit Lions, and just decided they weren't going to do that. They were going to let Aaron Rodgers turn it over in the red zone a bunch. So I've got to see them do that twice before I'm going to believe they're capable of it. It was, you know, big shot plays to Christian Watson. So, no, that Titans defensive front is terrifying. And what Mike Vrabel's done, again, MacGyvering this team is ridiculous. So good. They're so good. They don't even have to. They're, they're so good with light boxes as well, like playing gap and a half. I mean, this defense, I just love them. Um, okay. On, on the very, very opposite end of the spectrum with run defense, question two. Eagles, they got the Colts coming to town, putting this very sus run defense uh, to a test. The Eagles went out and signed Linval Joseph, 34-year-old Linval Joseph. My question for you is, do you think every general manager has a Rolodex that just says 300-pound guys? I hope so. Just I Well, I hope it has. So this is a, a throwback mm-hmm. that one time for Christmas, this is years ago, Mina sent me a T-shirt that just said Thicko Mode on the front. And I feel like that has to 100% be what the cover of that Rolodex is for all these guys. You remember that? I hope on Linval Joseph's card, it's just a picture of him wearing the gas mask. Do you remember that? After he ran the ball. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> what year was that? Oh, it's such an amazing moment. I'm going to find it and just tweet it out. It's so good. Oh, Yeah, right, because he ran it for the touchdown. Oh, what a, what a beautiful moment. Oh, yeah, oh. I just Googled this, right? Oh, he had the sunglasses on, too. That's why it was so yeah. great. He literally, <laughs> he literally, oh, God, there's a perfect side profile shot of him. Sunglasses on. He's got the skull oh, cap yeah. on. And then the gas oh. mask. What a king. Oh, my God. What an amazing moment that was. Um, okay. Let's move on. In the sad off, Raiders Broncos. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Okay. God, where do you even go with this? I Um, believe... Okay. Okay. Nathaniel Hackett or Josh McDaniels, who's more likely to be still a head coach next year? Uh, Josh McDaniels, just because the Raiders are cash poor. Yeah. Like... That's the right. one thing in being friends with Jason Fitz for as long as I have that I've heard every year is the Raiders <laughs> do not have money. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah, that that's right. They're on, they're on some broke boy stuff. Okay, question four. We really hit all the good games. All these other games are not good. Oh, the Lions-Giants has a little bit of spice to it. Lions coming off of a win, a little bit of an unlikely win. Um, do, you, do you think New York puts it to them? Uh, I tend to think so just because they're a little more complete on both sides of the ball. Like Dexter Lawrence has been awesome this year, man. That group's been so much fun to watch up front. So I, I I just think they're too complete. Like there's an imbalance on the other side, but man, if you're into power running, both of these teams are going to give it to you in spades. This one's (laughs) going to be a blast and going to be over in like two hours and 45 minutes. 
Yeah, and the Lions can't stop it, so that is why I lean New York in this, too. The Giants. I'm on good terms with Giants fans these days, so. Well, I feel like they're, like, I I asked a while back for Giants fans what they think they should do, because it was, like, the middle of the season where people were kind of starting to play the we-need-to-give-Daniel-Jones-more-respect card, and Giants fans were like, no, like, you know, we're, like, we're all pretty aware of what he is at this point. Like, we're only going to want him back if it's on a very team-friendly deal or something like that. Like, they're under no, I think, guise about what their quarterback situation is at this point, which is kind of refreshing. I like that they're like LeBron. Can't believe this is my life this season. It's just <laughs> yes. great. All right. As always, last question from Lenny. You ready? Oh, boy. Lenny heard a rumor that you flew all the way to Utah just for free cookies. Is that true? Can confirm that. Went on the Crumble Mumble Cookie Podcast to talk about eating. The first time I had crumble cookies, I told this story. I went to it in Arizona. My whole family was out there because it was my sister's wedding week. And I didn't want to waste time calling to ask all of them what they wanted. So I just ordered one cookie and ate it alone in my car, threw away the wrappers, and never told them about it. Wait, you really skipped over. You, you didn't fly just for free cookies. It was also to go on a cookie podcast. Oh, yeah. I flew I flew to Crumble headquarters in Salt Lake City, and I went on a podcast to talk about defending Crumble cookies on Twitter from internet bullies. Wow. Well, this, that's pretty on can't believe Can't believe this is my life. <laughs> um, if you like podcasts, check out the Gojo Show, wherever you get your pods. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Thanks for having me, bud. Oh,